This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We are on storm watch tonight as wind gusts up to 90 kilometers could potentially hit parts of the south coast. The first blast knocked out power in some areas and another one is still in the forecast. We've got team coverage for you. Jill Bennett in Tawasson with the impact it's having on ferry travel. Jordan Armstrong is in the valley which is expected to take a hit and Catherine Urquhart has the preps underway in Stanley Park right now. We begin tonight with our Jill Bennett. Uh, Jill, thousands of ferry passengers were delayed today and still facing some delays tonight. Anything is possible at this point. Now, even in the last hour, the wind has picked up considerably here at the ferry terminal in Tawasson. The good news is, though, those sailings that had been canceled earlier, they resumed around 3 p.m. and the ferries are continuing to sail this evening, although they are dealing with a bit of a backlog. This is the aftermath of several earlier sailings being cancelled. A lot of people waiting in line to get on a BC ferry. Many have been here for hours. And we had a reservation for the 11 o'clock and uh, they said, no, your reservation is cancelled. The people that got here for 3 o'clock get on the boat. Hmm. And then we're left sitting here. So it's, uh, yeah, it's doesn't seem like a good deal. Others seem happy to take a break, first in line for the next sailing, while some passengers even seem ready to camp out if need be. For a five o'clock one, yeah, now it's like a six, maybe seven. Yeah, so we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. And did they tell you it was because of the wind and the, the cancellations? Yeah, yeah, and they canceled the early ones, so I'm thinking that maybe they had to catch up with the other people before. Even though the wind wasn't too extreme, BC Ferries decided to cancel several afternoon sailings between the mainland and Vancouver Island after checking in with Environment Canada. Those sailings resumed at 3 p.m., but there is still a chance of future delays. So there are several, uh, several storms that have been forecasted for this weekend, um, and we certainly don't take the decision to cancel sailings lightly. We know that customers rely on us to get to their destination, um, but we do recommend uh, visiting our website at bcferries.com, checking the current conditions page to see if the service has been affected or following us on Twitter at BC Ferries. And it's not just the strength of the wind. Again, it has picked up here in Tawasson, but BC Ferries also looks at the direction of that wind and the state of the sea. Once those waves on the water get to the two-meter mark, that's when we can see future cancellations. They will be monitoring that, and like they said, make sure and check ahead if you do have plans to go on a ferry or if you have a reservation, as things could change without a lot of notice. Chris, yeah. Sophie? Yeah, and I think that uh, advice is good for the whole weekend. Jill, thank you. Well, winds also picking up in the valley where they're expected to reach between 70 and 90 kilometers an hour. That's where we find our Jordan Armstrong. And Jordan, the concern out there is uh, there could be a few power outages if the wind picks up tonight. 
Absolutely, Chris. The wind is really howling now. When we got here about 4 o'clock this afternoon, it was dead calm. By 5 o'clock, it was a bit of a breeze. And in the last hour, we've started to see those significant gusts out of the southwest. Certainly tough to open the door to your car out here in the Fraser Valley. And certainly more gusts are in the forecast. Environment Canada calling for gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour this evening. Anecdotally, I think a lot of people have been listening to the weather warnings in place. Traffic on the freeway heading out to the valley was jammed by about 2.30 this afternoon. Potentially people trying to make it home before the storm rolled in. We've all been warned to expect power outages tonight. About 1,300 customers on the lower mainland and the Sunshine Coast currently in the dark right now and significantly more on northern Vancouver Island. According to BC Hydro, about 7,500 homes and businesses there currently have no power. Hydro says extra crews have been called in to deal with the storm. They're responding to the outages as quickly as possible. BC Hydro prepares for storm season year-round, and our crews can activate storm response plans at a moment's notice. We do have a team of in-house meteorologists that have been tracking these weather systems quite closely. So very windy now in Abbotsford here at the edge of Sumas Prairie. We've seen gusts hit 70 kilometers an hour in the last hour, and we could see gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour before the evening is done. Back to you guys in Burnaby. All right. Thanks very much, Jordan. Now let's bring in our Catherine Urquhart with more on the situation in Vancouver. And Catherine, Bright Nights, very popular in Stanley Park, has been cancelled tonight. That's right, Sophie. It's relatively calm here now in Stanley Park, but park board officials are not taking any chances and they have cancelled tonight's Bright Nights Christmas train. And that's because it's surrounded by a number of trees that are especially vulnerable to high winds. Now, if you have tickets, you can get a refund or you can change those tickets for another night. Now, many Vancouverites will remember the massive storm that hit Stanley Park almost exactly 12 years ago. It was December 15th, 2006, when a storm took out more than 10,000 trees here. As for tonight, Park Board officials say they are well prepared. We have a standby crew with all our equipment in Stanley Park service yard ready to go. We have additional ranger staff directing traffic and we are prepared to close the park completely if we have to. We're closing a portion of the seawall from 3rd Beach to the Lionsgate Bridge. That's a vulnerable area as well with the waves. Um, I think we're, we're, we're making plans and we're, we hope we don't have to do anything more than uh, just be on standby. Everyone is being well advised to stay away from the seawall tonight. And we will keep you updated as this storm develops and if anything at all happens here at Stanley Park. Back to you. All right. Thanks for that, Catherine. Now, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with a look at what we can expect over the next few hours. And Christy, we're not out of the woods just yet. No, we're not, Sophie. That's right. So the winds are starting to pick up now in Abbotsford and into Wasson, and we still could see stronger gusts this evening. However, I would say the likelihood of us seeing the windstorm we had predicted is far less now. We'll be tracking it closely over the next couple of hours. But uh, the, for the most part, the winds haven't materialized earlier in the day. Now, having said that, the potential for an intense windstorm was absolutely there. And considering the ground was so saturated, it could have become very very dangerous with fallen trees and downed power lines. Catherine Urquhart mentioned the Stanley Park windstorm in 2006. That was a very similar situation where we had a windstorm that hit 
just several days after, uh, sorry, after several days of rain. Mm. All right. Thanks for that, Christy. We'll check uh, in with you in a little bit. What a view on the West Coast. Big storms, big seas, and strong winds whipping up waves in Tofino. The surf expected to be higher through the weekend and perhaps even longer as more storms hit approach the coast into next week. And the wind also impacting skiers and snowboarders at Whistler Blackcomb today. Many of the lifts were on standby due to the blustery conditions. Safety has to preempt uh what we'd like to be doing. We've come a long way from Australia to ski here and to spend the first hour waiting in lift lines is, is exceedingly disappointing. I think they need to have a look at their infrastructure to make sure that this doesn't happen and if it does, they're not communicating it to people till you know nine or quarter past nine and you've been here 45 minutes just standing there. And just down the road, the weather also forcing the closure of the Sea to Sky gondola in Squamish. A number of holiday events at the top cancelled or postponed with plans to reopen tomorrow. SkyTrain service was temporarily shut down today when smoke filled one of the downtown tunnels. Quite a chaotic scene in Coal Harbor shortly after 1 o'clock this afternoon when a dumpster caught fire in the underground area near Burrard Street in West Cordova. Firefighters quickly doused the flames, but the smoke forced a brief cancellation of SkyTrain service on part of the Expo line. The fire was sparked by homeless people camping in the tunnel near the dumpster. A young Vancouver man has been charged in the 2016 hit-and-run death of a skateboarder in South Vancouver. Investigators found a key piece of evidence two days later, but as Rumina Dea reports, it took more than two and a half years of detective work to piece the deadly puzzle together. Vancouver police have made an arrest after a 32-month investigation. Ryan Barron's family and friends grateful. Now the charges have finally been laid in connection to the hit-and-run death more than two years ago. It was just a big relief because I've been waiting for this for a long time. There's been a lot of anger and sadness and stuff around this. And A 23-year-old Vancouver man, Amonpreet Sohal, has been charged with two counts, dangerous driving causing death and failure to stop at an accident. Barron was skateboarding with a friend in South Vancouver in April 2016 when he was hit by a vehicle. The driver took off. Barron died in hospital. Never would you have imagined the pain and heartbreak because of the fact that people are not coming forward. Just two days after the hit and run, investigators actually found the vehicle believed to be involved at a home in East Vancouver, but they still needed to prove who was driving. The car had extensive damage. It has taken years of work by the VPD's Collision Investigation Unit to finally secure charges. It was a long, drawn-out investigation, and no time did our investigators give up. Uh, they had the vehicle, they had the crime, and they took those, the, all that information together and peeled back the layers until they were able to identify the driver. What was that key piece of evidence? Why now, 32 months later? Police are not releasing any more details because the case is before the courts. Romina Dea, Global News. Well, if you need to fill up your vehicle, do it now. Analysts say gas prices are set to spike this weekend. According to GasBuddy.com, gas will go up six cents a liter tomorrow in Metro Vancouver. 
But that's not the end of it. On Sunday, it'll go up again, 11 cents a liter. Why? Well, apparently it's due to the temporary shutdown of the Olympic pipeline that delivers all gasoline in Washington State and Oregon. It also delivers some to Vancouver. ICBC wants more of your money to help counter rising repair costs and $1.3 billion in losses last year. The public insurer asking the BC Utilities Commission for permission to hike basic insurance rates. Aaron MacArthur explains when and how much more the average driver could be paying each year. ICBC rates are going up again. Nobody excited about paying more. 6.3%? Wow, that's a lot. That's quite a jump. I don't like that. I really don't like it. Instead of putting the flames out, ICBC has only added fuel to the dumpster fire. Basic insurance rates going up 6.3%, which means the average driver in BC will pay about $63 more next year. What we don't know is the cost of optional insurance, but bet on that going up too. Most of us do get optional insurance, and if they're going to be jacking that up too, this is a much bigger rate hike. We as uh, owners of ICBC need to see the full picture, and we're only being given part of the picture. ICBC says the rate hike could have been closer to 40% if the structural changes implemented by the government hadn't materialized. This is the first year where you've seen transformational change uh, in terms of uh, the product that we're selling uh, and improvements to the system. There are certain features of this system that don't work, uh, and we've acknowledged that. While the BC Liberals are demanding a complete overhaul of ICBC, the government says the system works, but only if costs are brought under control. One of the biggest challenges, bringing down the number of collisions, almost a thousand every day. There are some drivers out there with multiple at-fault accidents, multiple distracted driving, impaired driving, and they're going to be paying a lot more. Uh, and so uh, what we're trying to do is get the system to better reflect people's risk levels. Rates go up April 1st, but ratepayers' confidence that the dumpster fire can be extinguished, waning with every extra dollar spent. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, Aaron mentioned it briefly there, Keith. Keith joins us now from uh, Victoria. There is another shoe to drop here, and that is the optional part of this equation. Yeah, there's a bunch of shoes to drop here, Chris. I'm going to get to the optional in a moment. But first of all, there, David Evie mentioned some of this stuff in Aaron's story. A lot of changes start beginning next April. Uh, the new fiscal year begins then, and that's when you're going to see ICBC embark on some big changes, a clampdown on litigation, really cutting down on lawyers' fees, and also capping soft injury or minor injury cost payouts at a maximum of $5,500. And then the really interesting stuff happens in September. You heard David Evie talking about clampdown on uh, bad drivers. That's when the rate structure is going to be flipped on its head. Good drivers will be rewarded. Bad drivers are going to pay big time. And those optional rates, well, get ready on this one, folks. Aaron Sutherland from the Insurance Bureau of Canada sent me an email today. He's done the math based on ICBC's revenue requirements. He suggests optional rates could go up as high as 14% on top of that 6.3% for, for uh, basics. So it's going to get a lot more expensive to drive in B.C. Sounds like it. Thanks, Keith. Oh. Pretty cute indeed. <laughs> All right, right now, perhaps the biggest shakeup in the history of BC's controversial fish farm industry. It'll transform a part of our coastline. An agreement between First Nations and the provincial government will shut down as many as 17 open net fish farms in the Broughton Archipelago. Kylie Stanton tells us why and what happens now. The plan that we're announcing today will mean the closure of 10 farms in the Broughton over the short term. 
10 closures and potentially another seven more. It's being called an historic day for salmon aquaculture, one First Nations have been waiting on for decades. And we're going to achieve a lot of the dreams that have been spoken of by leaders long before mine. In an unprecedented agreement between the government, First Nations and industry, fish farm operations could cease in the Broughton Archipelago, one of the most environmentally sensitive areas of the ocean. Ten farms will be phased out over the next five years, and the fate of the remaining seven will depend on the support of local First Nations. Uh, that means that you can't put fish in farms that have disease, which is huge. As for job losses associated with the closures, they're expected to be minimal. We are moving production to other areas where we have farms with First Nations consent, so we're not losing production. And then the long-term transition is that's our opportunity through the uh, relationship building, through the monitoring program, to be able to stay in the Broughton. So that would be, again, no job loss there. It's a model that could eventually be rolled out to all fish farms along the BC coast and it might not end there. The exciting part about this is the template that's been established today can be transposed to other industries across British Columbia, and that's why there's hope and optimism for the future. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. One Metro Vancouver mayor wants to make sure those living on the streets are not left out in the cold. For the first time, Burnaby's most vulnerable citizens will have winter shelter. As Nadia Stewart reports, warming centers are opening in the city after years of inaction from the previous mayor and council. Finally. After 13 years of advocating, Carol Ann Flanagan with the Society to End Homelessness in Burnaby feels their voice is being heard. This is the first step. It's an important step. And the, the fact that they're going to be open seven days a week until March, that's a big, big thing. This warming centre at Swan Guard Stadium is one of three operating now in the city. Another centre is set to open soon. On its first night, five people slept here, six on the second night. My last two years on the fire department, we went to many calls where uh, people were not doing well because they were living on the street. Burnaby's new mayor says taking care of the most vulnerable is a priority for him and city council. It was very heartbreaking to see our city in that position that uh, we were not stepping up to take care of our most vulnerable. And so that was very important for me when I became mayor. Advocates say the city's next step must be a homeless shelter. There are now plans for a 52-unit supportive housing facility here on Norland Street, a partnership between the city and province. Flanagan says Burnaby's exact homeless population is unknown. Estimates range from 49 to 250. She says the need is obvious. We're actually the fourth largest population of, of homelessness. 32% are over 55. We need housing that people can afford. Which is the next step, helping people move from the streets to a shelter to a safe, stable life. Nadia Stork, Global News. There is going to be a partial ban on whale watching off the coast of Washington State for at least the next three years. It's part of a $1 billion program to protect southern resident killer whales, announced today by Washington State Governor Jay Inslee. Linda Aylesworth has the details and reaction here in B.C. We share our responsibility to protect southern resident killer whales with Washington State, whose governor, Jay Inslee, commissioned a task force on the matter. When we save the orcas from toxins, when we save the orcas from climate change, when we save them from pollution, 
We save ourselves. That task force recently announced 36 recommendations, and Governor Inslee was fast to respond. I am proposing $1.1 billion in projects that will support, at least in part, our ORCA recovery project. The money would be spent to reduce threats like noise from vessels and pollution and restore populations of their primary food source, Chinook salmon. It will protect and restore habitat for the critical salmon that orcas need. It will provide additional spill down the Columbia River and Snake Rivers so that we will increase survival rates. Premier Horgan, who has met with the U.S. governor on several previous occasions, had this to say when asked if B.C. would follow suit. He is uh, putting uh, his money where his mouth is. He's walking the walk. Uh, British Columbia and the federal government stand ready to work with our partners uh, in Washington state. One more thing. To reduce disturbance, the governor proposes banning whale-watching vessels from viewing southern residents for three years. Whale-watching will continue in the state of Washington. There are many, many whales to watch in the state other than just the southern reddit orca. The whale watching industry concurs. 85% of their sightings are transient killer whales or humpbacks. Of course, these are all proposals. Approval from the U.S. legislature will be required to make it so. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Watch the top left of the screen. Caught on video yesterday's deadly crash of a high-speed train in Turkey. The train was carrying more than 200 people when it slammed into a maintenance vehicle, causing a pedestrian bridge to collapse. Nine people died and more than 80 were injured. Authorities have detained three people as they investigate the crash. New developments tonight in the uproar over Whistler's suggestion that Alberta's oil and gas industry should pay its share of the costs of climate change. Whistler Mayor Jack Crompton sent a letter to Calgary-based Canadian Natural Resources asking the company to cover the costs of dealing with flooding, fires and extreme weather events, which he argues is caused by the oil and gas industry. That did not go over well in Alberta, where critics say Whistler is being hypocritical because it's major development into a world-class resort is itself contributing to climate change. Whistler doesn't need to be that way. It could be a local ski hill uh, that would be beautiful and functional and purely natural, but they chose to make it this way. So it just seems overly hypocritical to single out uh, the energy provider. And tonight we learned the oil and gas portion of the upcoming investors conference in Whistler has been cancelled because so many attendees have pulled out. Whistler's mayor has posted on Facebook standing by his beliefs about climate change, but also offering an apology. Our aim was never to make anyone feel unwelcome in Whistler. I sincerely regret that anyone felt unwelcome here. Now, an unbelievable story of survival in California, where crews were called to pull a car out of a frigid river. As NBC's Miguel Almaguer reports, they were stunned to find a man still inside, alive, after spending five hours almost completely submerged. This is what rescue teams found when they arrived. A Ford Fusion flipped upside down in the freezing Klamath River. 
The 911 call came from a passing driver in this remote area of Northern California. You couldn't see any of the windows. They were all submerged in the water. Sergeant Robert Janini swam out and attached a tow rope to pull the car from the water. After deputies pushed back the airbags, the surprise of a lifetime. He saw the guy just look at him, turned his head and looked at him. My deputy goes, oh my Lord, there's somebody alive. It was incredible. Breathing from a small air pocket inside his car for five hours, Michael Finn survived the unimaginable. And I was only in for a few seconds. I couldn't imagine being in for five hours. An incredible story of survival, beating the odds and Mother Nature. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry and Meghan, shaking up royal protocol once again with their first official Christmas card photo. It's a striking black and white taken during their wedding reception. Harry holding Meghan's hand behind his back as they watch fireworks. Contrast that with the photo that appears on the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge's Christmas card. A more traditional, if somewhat informal, family portrait. Will, Kate, Prince George, Princess Charlotte and Prince Louis in a natural setting. In Health Matters tonight, a happy ending to a story we told you about last night about a Powell River boy with autism waiting for a medevac flight to Children's Hospital. That helicopter carrying 14-year-old Isaac Lambden landed at Children's today thanks to a break in the weather that allowed the chopper to fly. Isaac has severe autism and had been waiting since Sunday for a crucial MRI after he was put in a bathroom at school and banged his head against a wall for several minutes. We will update his condition as soon as we get new information. Wishing him the best, of course. A beautiful sight and a beautiful sound. An elderly blind elephant in a Thailand animal sanctuary led towards the soothing sounds of a Christmas carol. Classically trained pianist Paul, Paul Barton volunteers his time several days a week playing music for older, retired, and disabled elephants who live out the last years of their lives in peace. The owner of the sanctuary says the elephants definitely take comfort in the music. And are things that bad with the St. Louis Blues that they're bringing in this rookie? We'll tell you what it's all about right after the forecast. What an assist. <laughs> uh, it's going to be very cool. Okay, yes, the wind is the big issue. Uh, mm -hmm. It was certainly earlier today. I know North Island got a bunch of blackouts. Uh, power lines down and uh, and the wind continues. Yeah, so we're tracking it still for the next several hours. I don't expect it to be out of the woods until 10 o'clock, but I, uh, it is looking far less likely now, and I'll show you more on that in a second. I wanted to show you this. Pat Bell, one of our camera guys, caught the shot of Shannon Falls today. A ton of water coming down. Let's show you the numbers from yesterday. We were the sixth rainiest, uh, had the sixth rainiest day on record with 67 millimeters. These are the five uh, top-ranking ones. One, uh, the first, back in 2004, September, 18th where we saw close to 92 millimeters of rain but 67 you know what it felt like it was a ton now here are the peak winds so right now Abbotsford uh, 70 48 in White Rock that tends to be all we're seeing across the lower mainland again we could still see stronger winds into the evening hours but I think for the uh, for, for the most part this windstorm was a bit of a bust, and we are going to look at that for sure as in the coming times. But look at these images that came in this morning. A lot of people seeing this undulatus aspiratus cloud. And what that is, is 
is incredibly strong winds at the higher atmosphere. So we're talking about 120 kilometers an hour coming over the Olympic Mountains and creating this wave like uh, in the clouds. Check this, this one out from Dennis and Foster. So Dennis Foster, sorry. That was seen all across the lower mainland, including myself in North Vancouver. I saw that. Quite uh, almost ominous this morning as we were anticipating that windstorm. Now, as I mentioned, still the possibility of stronger winds this evening, but overnight everything dies down. Tomorrow morning, fairly light. We will see just a variable uh, winds, five to, uh, in terms of our temperature. And by the end of the day, we're right back into wind and rain. Although we have no wind warnings in place for tomorrow afternoon, potentially 60 kilometers an hour, but very windy all the way through the south. Southern interior, central interior today, and you still could see those winds overnight. Uh, coastal regions back to rain again tomorrow night with snow later in the day for areas further inland. And a nice little break for you tomorrow, but you will still see uh, the snowfall push into your region by tomorrow night. And there's the south coast. So dry in the morning, but then we're back to wind and rain tomorrow evening, and it will be wet through our Sunday. And then we've got another soaker on the way on Monday. So we really do have a parade of storms headed our way. And I'll leave you with one last look of the undulatus asperatus. <laughs> Never heard undulatus that before, asperatus. but it was very cool to see it in photos. Thanks, Christy. Awesome. So how do you lift spirits during a tough hockey season? Well, the St. Louis Blues have brought in a free agent. The Blues have adopted a golden Labrador puppy from an organization that trains service dogs. The dogs need to be socialized as part of their training, so what better way to get Barkley used to people than chasing sticks and pucks and getting in some stick handling practice. He will get several months of intensive off-ice training before being placed when he is 18 months old. So cute. Yeah. Nice little break and for way, the players, too. And the way they have played lately, they could probably use him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, the blue. You look like he would, knew what he was doing. Well, he's all, he'd, be, he'd be hard to check. Yeah, yeah for sure. It'd be very so difficult to chase low really to the ground the way you can handle the stick. But I think it's against the rules in the NHL to close your mouth on the puck. I know you can't close your hand, but I think closing your mouth might be a problem, too. Squares yeah. here with sports. Yes. You've got... What? Words on paper? Oh, I do have words on paper, and I actually wrote something down as well. Yes, because you know what? You always hear hockey coaches talk about playing a full 60 minutes. We have to play a full 60 minutes. That's actually what the Canucks have done in recent games. After that cement shoes descent in the standings, they've picked up seven of a possible eight points in their last four games. Last night, they scored two late goals, forced overtime against Nashville. Now, the Preds did win in overtime, but... The Canucks got a point and a moral victory. Now they have five straight home games before Christmas. Philadelphia tomorrow, then Edmonton, Tampa Bay, St. Louis. I don't think they're bringing the dog, though. And Winnipeg. Part of last night's comeback was a Brock Besser power play goal. And this was just the first power play goal he has scored this season. In fact, we haven't seen a Brock Besser power play goal since Valentine's Day. He had 10 last season. I will say this, since coming back from his injury, he looks so much better than he did earlier in the year when you could see something was not right. Okay, the Vancouver Warriors. Tomorrow, the Warriors come out to play for the first time ever in Calgary, but the Vancouver Warriors, of course, are a remodeling of the Vancouver Stealth, who last year were a dreadful 2-16. Will new uniforms, a new name, 
new owners, a new arena, and new players change things completely. Yeah, you know what, I think uh, obviously it was a tough season last year and, you know, that's all behind us. We definitely have uh, a lot of energy in the room. There's a lot of people doubting us and, you know, frankly, they have reason to, but I know everybody supports each other in the room and, and they know that we have a special thing going here. And like the Warriors, the Vancouver Whitecaps are going to have a whole new look in 2019. Same name, mind you, but a lot of different players. Many of last year's crew are now gone and it's time for head coach Mark DeSantos to start his Christmas shopping for new players, and he's pretty much starting it this week. And a lot of his shopping is going to be done in Europe. Since the moment he was hired as Whitecaps head coach five weeks ago, Mark DeSantos has been working nonstop to come up with a list of international players he thinks he can bring to Vancouver. DeSantos and his assistants just left for Europe to scout and hopefully sign the next group that will form the core of the Whitecaps in 2019. You need to have a good network of people around you. Uh, you need to have scout and agents that you trust, uh, people where you developed relationships for many years that, that help you get to player A, B, and C. Um, and that network helps you hopefully be a step ahead. DeSantos will not be combing the lower leagues looking for a bargain. He promises the Whitecaps will get as high a caliber of player as they can get. Of course, that player will have to want to play MLS in Canada. It's got to be the right fit, but the precedent for big names coming to MLS is there. If you look at an example in the league, uh, Wayne Rooney, uh, we arrived at DC United and not only brought a name, not only sold jerseys, uh, but also brought a lot of quality and commitment to, to that club. So that's the type of player I think Vancouver uh, deserves. Not saying Rooney, don't, don't, don't start rumors by far, but uh, a caliber like that. Whitecap fans would love it for DeSantos to snag that kind of caliber. Realistically, he needs to replenish the back line with the departure of Kendall Waston, among others. And with Kai Kamara and Alfonso Davies gone, attacking players are also a focus. Speaking of Davies, what to do with that $20 million in transfer fees from Bayern Munich? I can't wait for the day that people start asking me what we're going to do with the money of Afonso. I feel I'm working at the bank now. What people cannot mistake is that we take that money, boom, it goes to one player, and that's what we're going to do. No, uh, we see the club in, in a bigger way, uh, and we're more careful with all of that. It is a rebuilding year, but with good work and with the right guys, you could show up right away from day one. And there was one more move the Whitecaps made. Mm -hmm. Eric Hurtado has been traded to Sporting Kansas City for two draft picks, a first-rounder in 2021 and a second-rounder in 2020. He scored 17 goals for Vancouver and 123 appearances. There you go. And the average height of the team goes up. Was he the short guy? No, no he was the bug. Who's Teixeira. the bug? Teixeira. Is he still here? <laughs> he, uh, they're try They offered him a contract. I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. It's hard to say. How tall is he? He's like my height or something. Uh, how tall? You're like 5'9"? Five, five, oh, no, no, no. The other one. Oh, if you put your heels on, I think you got them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure do. All right, here's Andrew with a preview of Global News at 11. Ann? Thanks, Chris. Dozens of newcomers to Canada are lacing up for the first skate on Canadian ice at Rogers Arena tonight. The unique event is designed to introduce the group to Canadian culture and our love affair with the ice rink. Plus, we are learning more tonight about what's being described as an organized gang of roaming thieves apparently targeting the Okanagan. The group, we are told, swarmed three electronic stores in Kelowna's largest shopping mall, 
this week and police are warning business owners to be vigilant. We'll have more on this story when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Very troubling. Okay, thanks, Ann. Squire's back after a break with satellite debris. But first, here's Kasha Badurka with five things to do with your family. Kasha? Yeah, it's hard to narrow this down to just five things at this time of year, but here we go. We start with the celebrated CP holiday train that's coming to the Lower Mainland early next week. This year's Sam Roberts Band is headlining against the impressively lit up train with donations going to the local food bank. At Heritage Tree Farm in Chilliwack, it's not just about finding that perfect Christmas tree. Make it a tradition in the country with complimentary wagon rides and a warm-up around the cozy fire with hot chocolate and caroling. It's a timeless holiday classic and you can take it in live from the Gateway Theatre in Richmond. It's a wonderful life offers up old-fashioned charm, soaring songs from the 20s, 30s and 40s and a heartwarming holiday story. Santa's not done with parades just yet. He's gearing up for a big one set in downtown New West on Sunday. The big guy and his friends will hit Columbia Street at 11 a.m. sharp. It's already paradise-like. Now picture the Bloedel Conservatory dressed up for the holidays. 150 free-flying tropical birds, holiday plant displays, and dazzling lights. For more, go to globalnews.ca slash five things. Here's a look at today's snow report. Another dump of snow on the South Coast Mountains yesterday. Whistler Blackcomb, a base now 174 centimeters. Grouse 111. Cypress 57. Sasquatch opening date still to be announced. Revelstoke, a base of 148 centimeters. Fernie 130 with 25 new. Manning Park base 85 centimeters. Whitewater 137. Big White's base up to 101 centimeters. 123 Silver Star and Sun Peaks at 83. Kicking Horse base at 127. Powder King 121 and opening tomorrow, that's Saturday, Mount Washington. Coming up on ET Canada, the Kanye West Drake feud heats up and Kim K has to step in. Plus, Steve Carell previews Welcome to Marwin and Eric McCormack previews season three of Travelers. That's coming up at seven right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right, thanks very much, Sangeeta. All right, satellite debris to end the week. So, over the years, the last few years, there's been this weird debate. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? No. <laughs> oh, well, it's got a Christmas theme. Oh, I think it's a Christmas movie. Okay. It, like, has a nice warm and fuzzy... Oh, isn't it, though? Yeah. <laughs> ending. Well, yeah, a happy ending for him, I guess. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Sky Cinema asked the question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And their answer is yes. Nakatomi Plaza. Been doing this for 11 years. 10 square blocks. Mayday, Mayday. Channel 9. 8 Lake and 30 to dispatch. The seven members of the new Provo Front. Six armed with automatic weapons. Five imprisoned leaders of Liberté de Québec. Four million dollars. Three down, four to go. Code 2 at Nakatomi Plaza. To kill one terrorist for sure, he claims he's capped off two others. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Christmas. 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 It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. Have a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas! Yippee Kaye, Mother Christmas! 
I mean, now I you know. It's like obvious I'm now. in the Christmas spirit. Yeah. I have to say that. <laughs> That's right, yeah. There's nothing like explosions <laughs> and automatic weapons that get me thinking right. Christmas. Okay, another Christmas commercial. This one from JetBlue. Kelsey, would you please pass the broccoli? Seriously? We're just going to keep pretending that this isn't Jason wrapped up like a present to surprise us? Seriously, we're just going to keep pretending that this family doesn't have a rule about waiting to open presents until Christmas morning. <laughs> Delicious potatoes, Mom. <sighs> Who said that? Who said that? JetBlue's turning people into presents. <laughs> Gift wrapping and delivery included. <laughs> uh, <very laughs> All right. So Sainsbury, I think, is the second largest supermarket chain in the UK. And as we've said a million times, the UK loves its Christmas ads. And this one's a big one. And it's probably the opposite of the thing I showed you at first, the Die Hard bit. So here we go. Okay. <laughs> You know that song though? It's not a Christmas song, obviously. No, no. it's um, Third Eye Blind. From the '90s. No, XT's close. Who was it? No, like it's that. '80s. The New Radicals. The New oh, Radicals. Right, 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 right. The New Radicals. I think. Scar, you're radicals. amazing. How you can come up? New well, you know what? Uh, you know what's 90s, amazing is YouTube. <laughs> That's what's amazing. We you predated all, YouTube, really. Or Google. I, well, I think we all did. <laughs> Okay, final word on the weather, Christy. Yeah, so we still could see some gusty winds. I think for the most part, our storm today is over, but we've got another one on deck for tomorrow, but gusts potentially 60. So right. stay tuned. All right, thanks. Only one more Friday till Christmas. Can you believe that? Thanks for watching.